Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. We are the show that always goes for two. Mendy here, hosting as always. I'm here with John Madnetton. What's up, big dog? I love I love the go for two. It reminds me of the XFL. They were, we're all Sean Payton's and Pete Carroll's. That's that's the type of vibes we got going on here. We're Jack Del Rio's week one at New Orleans. I, I'm <laughs> past Jack Del Rio now. I'm done with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that voice you also heard was the Doc, Eric Mendelson. What's up, man? Uh, not much. Ooh, the Doc, better than some of the things you've called me in the past. I, I, we got to find a nickname for you that sticks, and I like the Doc. Small Bladder Mendelson. <laughs> <laughs> well... We have a big show for you guys today because in the huddle, we have trade etiquette. Anything spike your blood pressure like a bad trade offer? Well, we're here to save lives today and teach you the proper way to maintain good trade etiquette. And we're going to be doing this with the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Clay from ESPN. After that, Mike sticks around with us for our question of the week. What is the worst fantasy football trade you've ever made? And then no game this week because we have a lot of news and notes that we're going to get to right now. News and notes. Keenan Allen is mad. He was ranked 77 on the NFL's top 100 list that started this past week. He called out that he wasn't as fast as some of the players, which he added, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Tyreek Hill, but he was better than them and could get better separation. He also put that he was the best wide receiver in the AFC West. John, is he right? Um, no, there's one, there's a ton of wide receivers in the AFC West better than him, but uh, uh, most notably Henry Ruggs, the smoothest <laughs> wide receiver. But uh, I, I will just say players getting up in arms about this fake list is literally just shows the power of, ESPN just generating their own news. Well, I think it's, is it NFL Network that does oh, yeah, it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it's the NFL Network generating their own news because we're talking <laughs> about this stupid list that they created and then they're going to go and debate this list themselves even though they created it. I think it's funny because of all the back and forth like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were having at him. I just, it's just, and just get your popcorn. Keenan Allen didn't even tag the right Chris Godwin account. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm here for the Twitter beefs. Eric, do you feel the same? Are you? How do you feel about this with uh, Keenan Allen? Keenan Allen has definitely had some really high upside games. I don't think the consistency is there for him as much, and he's been a little injured more, which is why I think he's not as popular among players. I mean, he is a great route runner. Um, I'd say probably have him behind Evans and uh, Tyreek Hill. I want to see Godwin produce more than one season, but I'm also not a fan of him tagging the players. It's not like they made the list. Facts. Next bit of news. Ronald Jones likely will enter week one as a starter, according to ESPN's Jenna Lane, 
Rookie third-round pick Keyshawn Vaughn should still be in the mix for carries, but his shot at the lead roll out of the gate took a hit with the NFL canceling off-season programs and preseason games, and it has just been reported Keyshawn Vaughn has tested positive for COVID-19. Thoughts and so, prayers. <laughs> so the possibility of him being able to prepare for the bigger workload he might get this season as far as Keyshawn Vaughn, it might take a back seat right now. Ronald Jones has been working on his pass catching and most notably his blocking, having bulked up to 225 pounds this offseason. Right now, Ronald Jones is currently RB32 according to NFC ADP rankings. Eric, does this news about Keyshawn Vaughn and this whole offseason raise up his value to you? Yeah, I've I've been a fan on, of Ronald Jones, not just because he not just because he calls his haters out on Twitter, but I think he's shown some high upside games. And I think the or the um, excuse me, the Buccaneers are going to have a great offense. And I think you just want a running back to have opportunity there. I don't think we're going to see rookies have the impact like they have in previous years. John, I, I think during our preview, I mentioned that Keyshawn Vaughn may take more and more of the carries as the season goes on. And that looks like a silly take now, I guess, <laughs> because he uh, tested positive for COVID. But. You know, that'll be the disclaimer. You know, I didn't know he's going to catch COVID. You know, that's our disclaimer. Put it on the, uh, the new description for the video. <laughs> we have, it's an asterisk next to every take we ever make. If they have COVID. Well, especially this season, like anything you, well, I didn't know he was going to catch COVID. Like that is like a real response. <laughs> right. Um, speaking of COVID, we have our first COVID opt-outs. First was Chiefs guard Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. And you're a real Chiefs fan if you can pronounce his name. He's also a doctor and is opting out to help solve the current problem going on in the country. So the Chiefs signed former Raiders great Kaleche Usamele. I think is it Kaleche Usamele. Usamele. Thank you. <laughs> I don't. I don't pronounce Raiders names. Usamele. Uh, <laughs> and the Ravens wide receiver kick returner DeAnthony Thomas became the second player today to opt out. I know the Patriots fullback. I forget his name. Just within the last 15 minutes, just asshole announced he's opting out. And as far as I gather, going into this afternoon, there was only had been six tested positive for COVID. But now I know the list is actually a lot greater. It's growing by the hour. Um, so with the current Marlins outbreak being reported today, in which four teams are being compromised, are you getting nervous for football season, John? Oh, I've been nervous. And this just sort of reaffirms it. Um, I, like it's already happening. I think there, it's the first day of training camp and it's already already happening and not even just the football news the baseball news kind of makes you a little wary too because they are only three games into their season and they're already postponing games and there's already an outbreak so it really makes you wonder how feasible or how long the nfl can keep going if even if they have a game one week one like how long can they keep it up yeah one important note there's more contact than in baseball and you've seen how bad this outbreak's gotten with baseball they all you can see if there's no bubble and you have to travel, it's going to be a problem. And you can't just have everything in one place like the NBA because, you, uh, John, as you mentioned, like you can't, everybody can't use the same field. It's not going to work. So I'm, I'm curious what the NFL's response to seeing what's happening in baseball, what they're going to do. Eric, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm concerned. And, you know, non-sports related, we're having record number of cases of COVID each day. So, you know, think about obviously sports or entertainment, but there are people as well. And you look at MLB and the, the cities or from the or the, the teams from the cities that are playing Philadelphia, 
Miami, New York. I mean, those are really big hot spots, and that's where a lot of the the NFL teams are are populated cities. And you know, how how are you going to prevent people from going out if you don't have that bubble? It's it's a little bit concerning. Um, you know, one week into the or a weekend into the MLB season, and now we're having concerns about you know potentially no football season. I. I do want to note, like, it's a lot of issues, and we don't know the long-term effects and stuff like that. I think there's a baseball player who now has a possible heart condition. Yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah, and and then it's just also the fact the NBA is already talking amongst their, like, Players Association. They're worried that COVID free, like, free agents who have tested positive for COVID might not get as big contracts because people view it as riskier. So even outside of a health perspective— uh, you know, it's also like a monetary perspective as well for some of these like middling players moving forward. They might not get as big deals if they test positive. That's a good point. I, I It's going to be interesting to see how things play out for sure. Next bit of news. Seahawks. Yes, the beloved Seattle Seahawks. Eric's beloved Seattle Seahawks acquired Jamal Adams and a fourth round pick from the Jets for safety. Bradley McDougal, two first round picks and a third round pick. For fantasy, it's probably better for the Seahawks to have a bad defense, which last year was ranked 22nd in scoring and 26 in total yards allowed. But does this have any fantasy implications? I know their pass rush is still pretty bad, and maybe this will help at least them cover the tight end because they were the second worst team in terms of yards is uh, covering the tight end last year. But I think everybody wants Seattle to be in shootout games. So, Eric, does this affect Seattle for fantasy purposes at all or for their playoff implications? Well, it's interesting because they're actually going to save money with this trade the first year because Bradley McDougal makes more than Jamal Adams. So I read a report that they might try to use that difference and pay to sign Jadevian Clowney, which at that point I think does make a difference if you have two impact players on uh, defense. I just think from the perspective, Seattle gave up a lot, you know, two firsts and a third. And you look at some of the other recent for, uh, deals that have included two first-round picks – Jalen Ramsey, Khalil Mack, and Laramie Tunsil, but all played really valued positions at tackle, edge rusher, and cornerback. Um, I think it's a, a win-now move because you're going to have to pay him top safety money. And I don't know if the, the Seahawks were in the top tier of contending, but um, I guess this this makes them better in the immediate future. Better than the 49ers? <laughs> Maybe. They have a uh, John, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to give you guys an alert. There's a John Stat alert. Oh, so, I'm here for the John Stat everybody, alerts. Uh, uh, over this his career, Jamal Adams has played 328 snaps at strong safety, 868 at free safety, and 318 as an edge. So you said they're looking at pass rush. He probably helps in the pass rush, even if he's uh, even playing at safety, just because he comes in and plays linebacker a bit. I'm blown away. I don't know how to respond. That's a John Stat, everyone. I think You'll get we need these like, once or twice a season. Uh, you know what? I, I think we need the you know like on TNT. There's Ernie's stat of the night. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I I also missed. He's played a thousand snaps just at linebacker. One thousand ninety nine. I missed that when I was giving my spiel. <laughs> I think I we know. need a we need a John stat of the episode. Yeah, that is my John stat of the episode. He he's played more more snaps putting pressure than uh than in coverage. So there you go. I love it. Let's move from pressure to a guy that's dealt with a lot of pressure in his career, Alex Smith has been cleared to play by his own personal doctor. 
John, anything there? Um, if I was him, I'd steer clear from the field. I mean, one, he almost died, you know, so he survives just to come back. He's not going to come back to play in COVID because I think, you know, the, the leg issue is a pre-existing condition that may cause complications. Plus, it's the Redskins anyway, so it's not like he's turning down, you know, the Chiefs. He's turning down the Redskins. There's too much going on. I just want him to be safe and healthy and far away from a football field and far away from Dan Snyder's owner's box. I heard they were getting pretty cozy last season. Eric? Yeah, I I agree with a lot of things John said, and I don't think it's worth risking his health. At one point, you know, we worried about his life, and I'm sure he worried about being able to play with his kids. And it's not like he's coming back to try to earn a contract. He got paid. Um, and you, I think that might be the difference between him and Teddy Bridgewater is Teddy Bridgewater was still on his rookie deal. So Alex Smith, do the right thing, you know, take your, take your clean bill of health and walk away from the game coming from a 49ers fan. It's interesting. I feel like it's in the same kind of comparison as Jordan Reed, where he's still trying to play with all those concussions and everybody's, everybody is literally like, dude, don't play again. And everybody's saying, Alex Smith, we are so happy you can walk and that you're healthy. Please don't step on a football field again. Yeah, he, so, I just want him as far away from a football field as he can be. Right. We're, we're caring on this show. That's what we do. And when you do a show once a week, sometimes news piles up like this. We're going to give you one more bit of news. Raheem Mostert restructured his deal. Should hopefully keep him in San Francisco. Eric, are, do you like this news? Yeah. I, I said when you broke the news last time, I said, I'm okay restructuring his deal. If we intend to make him the number one running back, but make it incentive-based. And, you know, he, he does deserve a, a pay bump from last season, especially because he's getting paid less than McKinnon, who hasn't even taken a snap with the 49ers yet. So I'm glad that all sides are happy. I don't think there was ever a realistic possibility he was going to get traded. John, are you going to be now targeting Raheem Mostert when you draft? Oh, yeah. Especially, like Eric said, uh, McKinnon hasn't taken a snap. Now this COVID thing is bubbling up a little bit. You know, they're already, you know, entrenching him. I think that means a lot. They're paying him. They're going to play him. I think he's a good pick. And I'm glad they listened to my pay him take when we addressed it a few weeks ago. Well, the lesson we learned from here is just listen to John. John said pay him and they paid him. Mm -hmm. Wise words. (laughs) So do you like what you're hearing so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball show that you can check out, also available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about being all that in a bag of chips and leave us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy. Eric runs our social media, provides great daily questions, stupid gifts, and of course, (laughs) Our weekly episode drops. Water this plant and help it grow into something beautiful you'll keep on your windowsill. <laughs> tell, tell a friend about us. Go into work and blast this podcast annoyingly so your whole office can hear. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you, the listener, the loyal player. Thank you for your listens each and every week. And now, Mike Clay. Some would say that prison is better than being on this show. Well, none of you have ever been to prison, but there's some guy I'd like you to meet. A writer, 
analyst, and yes, personality for ESPN that contributes to NFL, fantasy football, and NASCAR. You've seen him with you've seen him on SportsCenter and on Fantasy Football now with some guy who appeared on Avengers Endgame. Part of the Fantasy Football Focus podcast. Look out. He may push you against the wall. Mr. Regression to the mean. Mike Clay, how's it going, man? I mean, it was going pretty good there. I liked the buildup. That was awesome. But then you had to, like, you had to, he's not even here, and Matthew Berry showed me up, you know, like, let me not mention. So, I mean, I appreciate all the kind things you said, but I got showed up by Matthew, and, you know, geez, he's not even in the room. So, thanks. Well, you know I what? We, there's no more mentions of event, the guy that did Avengers <laughs> Endgame. It's all the Mike Clay show now, and, and we really appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm happy to do it. Um, always looking uh, looking forward to talking some football, especially this off season, right? I haven't been doing as much, quite as much TV and the like, and uh, especially daily wager has been rolled back a little bit just because you know we haven't really been on campus. So uh, it's always good to get in and talk uh, talk uh, football with some like minded individuals. Well, just the fact that you said like minded and put us in the same sentence that's good for me. And uh, so I, I know that you actually I was reading up about you a little bit. And you introduced the wide receiver cornerback matchups in 2015, which has been a staple article on ESPN. And you do your weekly projections. And let me just say, I've tried to use Excel, and it is hard. So my question <laughs> to you is, like, during a football season, uh, how much time per day do you think you commit to doing all this football content? All day. I wake up, and it's till I go to bed. I mean, not, not no lie. I mean, I'll take a little break in there for dinner with the girls, you know, my kids and that, and, and you know, you try to find some time. But really, they get the rest of the year. They get uh, some of Friday and, and all of Saturday. But football season is a grind, you know. It's just nonstop work. And uh, I, I certainly, that's not a complaint. I love it, obviously. But, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. And especially because, as you guys know, I'm not, you know, I'm not – and and really no one is i'm not accusing anyone of this but you know not just throwing stuff against the wall right like you said with mm -hmm. receiver quarterback there's a lot of digging a lot of research i go game by game team by team player by player every single week and look through and see who's being shadowed who's lining up where and our database of stats is just increasing too more and more play by play data so that's all you know the stuff that i'm looking to it's it not just keep writing the same content but expand it each and every year and make the information even better Mike, I just got tired from hearing all that stuff from that sense. I can't imagine how you do it for an entire day, man. It's that just shows the hard work that you put into what you do. So I, it's no wonder where you've gotten to where you've gotten. But I know you've come on other pods. You talk about sleepers. You talk about breakouts, ADP, regression, of course. But I want to give you a breath of fresh air this episode. I want to talk some trade etiquette. Mm. All right, and and we know that there's two major parts of every fantasy season, right? We have the best part, which is drafts, of course, the foundation for your season. But after the draft, what else can spike our blood pressure? That's trades. So whether they're fair or unfair, trades are proposed and made, and nothing can ruin the chances of you improving your team than poor trade etiquette. Bad trades can often be led to refusal for future trades, the ruining of friendships, and heck, even your girlfriend may break up with you. But <laughs> <laughs> That must be a really... Bad trade you're offering. I mean, that's what can happen. And we may not be able to predict which running back Kyle Shanahan will use during week 12, but we can help you become the ideal trade partner everyone wants to trade with in your league, and you can become that league's trade darling and not its hated villain. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you all, starting with Mr. Mike Clay here, 
what are some tips and items you avoid when you conduct proper trade etiquette? Well, first of all, I want to tell you that you're exactly right. There are a few things better when it comes to fantasy football than seeing the word trade proposal on an email. Uh, I'm <laughs> totally with you there. I love it. I am the kind of guy that just, you know, the league's kind of quieting down uh, too much for my liking. I'll just throw some offers out there, right? Just stir <laughs> it up a little bit. Um, and honestly, that's the person that tends to be the hated trader, right? I mean, because you're always going to, people always overvalue their players by 10, 20%, right? We, we know that people always o overvalue their own players. So people are automatically going to go to, I'm being ripped off immediately, right? People are very protective of their, of their own players. So I definitely lean toward the side of the annoying guy, right? Where I, I'm the guy that offers bad trades because of course you're, it's, it's going to happen sometimes. It's going to happen. It's like, a starting point. Absolutely. Uh, we have a ESPN league, a dynasty league. And last year, Toward the deadline, I was throwing some offers out, uh, working on building up my team for a run, and I was including Alan Lazard in a bunch of deals. And then uh, it just became a joke. Like, why does he? Why is he? Why does this guy keep offering Alan Lazard to everyone? No one wants it. Like, we all work together, so we all like are talking amongst ourselves. And I'm like, man, I'm just trying to, you know, just fuel the fire, get some deals done. If you don't want the guy to decline the trade, but anyway, um, I love the topic for sure. Uh, and I totally forget the question now because I'm rambling on. But <laughs> no, it's uh, all good. But uh, yeah, I definitely. Oh, yeah, you're looking for yeah tra uh, trade etiquette. So um, listen, I mean, I, I'm not going to say anything crazy, right? Like you want to you want to look at the other roster and you want to try to fill a void, right? Try to if you have an extra if you have an extra running back, let's say you have three running backs like I did. I did this offseason in that exact league. I had three really good starting running backs. And, you know, don't just start throwing running backs offers at people like for a, a star wide receiver, look and see if that's what they need, right? If they're already good at running back and, and uh, you know, they, they need a wide receiver. It might not work out. Find a team that fits uh, your void. And I did exactly that. I made a trade with field Yates. It was a two quarterback league and we worked out a deal with Derek uh, Henry and, and Russell Wilson. So uh, that's the best way to get the other team interested. You know, they know they need a certain position. You have it to spend and, and that's a perfect fit. I like how you, the part you finished with talking about how, you can look at what their team needs and what you have an extra little abundance of, and you can make it work for both of you. So that way no one can say you're trying to rip someone off or, you know, you're, you're helping each other out. So I think that's an example of something that's really important in trades. Um, Eric, do you have anything else that you want to add from what Mike said? Yeah. And I think that's really good points. And that's one of the ones I had was about filling a need and making a, a trade that's beneficial for both teams. Um, I said this on our baseball one is I, if you really want a player, like if you really want Todd Gurley, I wouldn't come out and say, Hey, I'd like to make an offer for Todd Gurley. Just say, Hey, I'd like to make a trade because as soon as you say that certain player you want, I think you have, you lose a little bit of leverage because the person knows that you want that exact player and can try to extract more value out of that. So I think if you look at any team in general, there's going to be more than one player you'd like to have. So I think just start out with a decent offer, see where things go. Um, no drunk trading. <laughs> it's going to be a bad choice, and you're going to completely regret it. Only make trades sober. Wow. <laughs> John, what else That's do you have to add? So first, I just wanted to <clears throat> finally get the final say on this. Mike, do you think leagues should allow vetoes of trades by the rest of the league? Absolutely not. I was going to come back at some point. That's complete nonsense. All my leagues are set up that the trade just goes through. Um, you know, if there's collusion after the fact, 
you kick the people out and you can reverse the trade. Go for it. But kick the people out, too. If you feel like someone did something that severe that they're colluding to ruin the league, you kick them out of the league. You don't just reverse it and let the league go on as normal. So uh, that's the only that's the only scenario where a trade should be reversed. Otherwise, you you let them be. And I've been saying that for a long time. I can't, I can't tell you how much my blood boils when I even hear of <laughs> someone else talking about uh, a per, uh, you know a, a commissioner vetoing a deal. Um, a friend of mine, actually, just really sh- quick story here, but a friend of mine uh, was super pumped last year. Actually, someone who works in uh, in professional sports sent me a, a text, and we were go- going back and forth, and he got a deal done. He was fired up. He got Saquon Barkley, and he traded a pretty good haul, and the commissioner reversed it because he thought he was not giving up enough. And, of course, the commissioner was head going first place with him. You know, those two teams were going at it for the championship, and, you know, he was obviously pretty ticked off. Well, that was when Barkley got hurt. Right. And he was out for the next three weeks or so. When remember when that happened. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like it, it benefited him. So that's another reason why. I mean, that was random luck, but it's another reason why the commissioner should not have any involvement unless there's foul play. Hey, Eric, so take all those Twitter poll drafts about vetoing and everything. Take them out. Take them out of the Twitter drafts. <laughs> <laughs> we so, have the executive word now. So <laughs> I, I have a couple that I wrote down. I'm interested to hear your guys thoughts. So. One I wrote down is don't spam offers. Don't be that guy that offers up Paris Campbell after a great week one to every single team in your league and try pimping him out to everybody. Are you guys on board with that? Uh, Yes, and I love the pimping him out (laughs) for terminology. Mike, what do you think? I'm, uh, I don't know. I don't completely agree with that. I, you know, I would field offers. I would at least maybe send a note out and say he's available. I wouldn't mind sending a few offers. Now I agree with you. It can get excessive if you start blowing up at people's inboxes with it. And and you're asking for like Paris Campbell for Allen Robinson or something like that. Or, you know, maybe a better example is like you offer Paris Campbell and Austin Hooper for Adam Thielen or Allen Robinson, right? Something like that would be a little out of control, but I would be looking to take advantage of that. And you have to do it somehow, right? You have to find some avenue to take advantage of that. What about going off of that? How do you guys feel about to get in touch for trades? Do you feel about just sending the trade offer as opposed to a a call or a text or a leak chat message saying like, hey, can we work out a trade rather than just sending it to them without talking ahead of time? Do you guys feel that you should text or call that person in your league to talk about a trade first or just send the offer? Yeah, I think you can just send it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, def- definitely agree. You can definitely just send it. Um, and I usually include a note, right? Just to mention, hey, I'm interested in, in this or I need pl- I need position X, something like that. A little note to go along with it. I think that's the way to do it. And that's probably going to increase your odds of getting a response to whether it's a comment like, hey, I'm not interested or just a decline. So at least get. Uh, and that's another thing, right? Uh, if you get an offer, reply to the offer. If it's terrible, make fun of the guy and decline it. Just just move, move, uh, move along. No, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one I also had in here is if you get any trade offer, you can't just let it sit there. I think that's the worst thing of trade Mm -hmm. etiquette of anything. Yes. Uh, um, The other one I had was, do you have you guys ever had an example of someone offering you quantity but not quality where they'll give you three of their bench players for one of your stud starters and try to defend it? That That's my biggest guys? my biggest pet peeve because I have to drop two players anyway, and they're just trying to make it look like a more even trade. Even though once I add in two players, I have to drop it turns into a crap trade again. Yeah, there, there's no question about it. I you definitely need to try to avoid that. Again, th- see it from the other person's point of view. If you're on there, if you're running their team and you can't see yourself taking it, 
well, then why why are you going to offer it? They're not going to take it too, right? I mean, I know we always want to get the edge in the deal, and that's fine. You you should. I, I'm uh, I'm kind of a pain, you know, to deal with <laughs> because you know if the if it's a close call, I might just you know I'll probably just lean towards keeping my guy if if you know there's a reason I drafted those players, right? If I think they're the better players, I'll keep them. I want to win the deal, you know. We that's the whole point of trading essentially, unless it's like a you know you're desperate at running back and you're doing a running back for receiver swap is something like that. So. Um, you know, it, it just, it, the context certainly always matters, but you're right. In general, you see that all the time. That's one of the biggest complaints with trades is you'll get three garbage players for one good one. It's, it's just never going to work out for you. I'm okay with a three for two or two for one. Um, but I think anytime it's a three for one, like you said, you're, you're going to have to drop two players and probably at least one out of those three players you're getting in the deal isn't going to be startable. So are you going to trade two decent starters for a superstar with, you know, a, a really high ceiling, probably not unless you're in a position where you need to win a lot of games. So mm-hmm. with you guys on that. To close out the trade segment, Mike, what would be one piece of information that you would say as far as if you were to take one piece of trade etiquette to spread to everybody, what would be the thing you would say? Uh, I would, I'll steal from Aaron Rodgers, right? The five letters, R-E-L-A-X. <laughs> <laughs> if you get an offer you don't like, re- Lax. All right. It's not the end of the world. The guy is not like coming to your house and knocking your mailbox over and, and destroying your house. All right. Just relax. It's just a trade offer. It's almost always going to be less than what you want. And you probably, you know, the, the person very well is just looking for a counter, looking to start a conversation. That's the fun of it. Right. Have some fun. Try to take advantage of that person. If they're antsy to make deals and, you know, like that's that's a good person to go after. If someone's in your league always sending offers. They're really anxious to trade. They want to accept deals. So find a way to maybe, you know, adjust the deal counter a few times and try to end up uh, working at a deal that improves your team. But, uh, yeah, that drives me nuts when people get so mad. And, oh, my God, it's it still happens. I've had people in the industry get they get mad at me. It's like it's, it's crazy. So uh, that that would be the biggest thing for me It's just relax. If you get a bad offer, you know, just just do your thing. Try to counter. Try to try to work it out to your advantage. Mike, I know you've been in the uh, fantasy industry for a while, and I'm thinking of the ultimate sell-high player was Kevin Ogletree after week one, <laughs> I think like four or five years ago. Were you one of those guys, or was anyone in your league the ultimate sell-high of, he's outscored Calvin Johnson through week one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I definitely remember that. And that's every year there's someone, right? Or there's yeah. there's players that get hyped up. A, a lot of, I'm in a lot of dynasty leagues. It's my favorite format because you can trade year-round, and, and I love that. And um, you know, I, I, I like to do that when the, you know, football Twitter kind of spikes up, right. And that player's really hyped up and, uh, you know, there's, there's news about the player. That's the, really the time to do it. Um, I remember tr- just a couple years ago, trading Rex Burkhead to Evan Silva for a first round pick. And at the time, I mean, people were like, you know, I think people lean toward my direction on that, but it wasn't the craziest thing in the world. But I was like, I can't believe I just got a first round pick for Rex Burkhead, uh, at that point. So, you know, stuff, stuff like that. I mean, you know, whether it's week one explosion or whether it's a uh, hype season, that's the time to try and move those guys. That's a, wow. That's an awesome trade. Evan, bad, 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 Evan. Yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, know, he knows he was, he was not happy a few months later. He said, he's never trading with me again after that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that we, that, that expired quickly. Cause we made a trade uh, during the, during our rookie draft. But uh, yeah, that one, I, I still think about that one. That was a good one. <laughs> that, that good, good finesse on your part. Well, that leads us perfectly into our question of the week. 
John, who are we not sponsored by this week? Um, we're not sponsored by chairs. You know, they're good to draft in. They're good to trade in. They're good to watch football in or do something that's not fantasy football related. It's chairs. You all have them. Buy another one. Ikea, give us a call. <laughs> if you don't give us chairs out for that, I don't know what's going on. But uh, So our question this week, what is the worst trade that you have ever done in your history of playing fantasy football? Mike, you're the guest. Start off with you. What's the worst trade you can think of that you've done? Really? Only one? Really? That's it. <laughs> I can think of two right off the top of my head. Uh, Dynasty League, a couple years ago, run by Ryan McDowell, one of my favorite leagues. Uh, my team at this point is extremely good, so I'm happy with it I, so I can make fun of myself. But I made a trade after T.Y. Hilton's rookie year in which I traded Hilton uh, for uh, Hilton for uh, Vic Ballard in a pick. Um, oh. Not good. Not good. We At that point, we thought Ballard was going to be a – a good player in that Colts offense, but that went really sour really fast. So I still think about that one. And the other one, and this one is more defensible. I traded Brandon Cooks after his first year for the second overall rookie pick, which was Kevin White. Oh, no. Oh, man. Yeah, that didn't go well either. So, I mean, look, at the time, it looked like White was going to have a a much higher ceiling than than Brandon Cooks ever would. But, uh, yeah, that's another one I think about once in a while. So... It happens. It happens to the to the best of us and the worst of us. Sometimes you you make a big mistake. So I like to think I made more good ones than bad ones, but those are two that I remember. I mean, he was the first wide receiver taken that year. I mean, they were talking about him being a huge thing. So I can't like you're right. I can't fault you for making that pick at the time. You know, like I think people are forgetting the talent that they were projecting that he was going to have, and he might have still been good if he hadn't been hampered by as many injuries as he has mm-hmm. in his career. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely possible. It's just that argument, right? Do you keep the guy that looked like he was going? I mean, Cooks Cooks was beat up, right? He missed a bunch of games rookie season. He never, we never thought he'd be as good as he ended up. Now, obviously, he was hurt last year, but he had a, what five, four straight top fifteen seasons before that. But uh, yeah, I don't think anybody thought he would be quite as good as he is. But again, you know, that's how trades work, right? Whether whether the process was right or not, sometimes they still keep you up at night. Right, Eric, what was yours? So I got Kenyon Drake in a trade last year, and I immediately traded him and Jared Cook for OJ Howard. I had a lot of depth. I had a lot of depth on my team, and I was very big on OJ Howard. And you Drew still Brees, are. And Drew Brees <laughs> had just gotten hurt, and I said, you know, Jared Cook's very touchdown dependent. And you look back in the fantasy playoffs, Kenyon Drake had a monster week 15 and week 16, and Jared Cook had a, a really good scoring streak as well. And I just think, wow, they really both outperformed O.J. Howard. And at the time, I'm I'm grinning ear to ear thinking like, oh, I've graded my tight end position. I I won the trade and it just goes to show. Yeah, oh, man, you're reminding me too. I, tra- I traded for Howard as well. I think it was after week one or two. Now, a little bit of background. I was a huge DJ Chark guy last year, right? I talked about him on Fantasy Football Now week before week one. That was the guy that's on waivers you have to add now that he, sh- he should be rostered. And after like week one or two, I tried to take advantage of that. And I traded him to Bob Harris for OJ Howard. Um, and I got, I got a second round pick two back, but I have major regrets. Like I was on Chark. I have him in like all my leagues and I still gave him away in a dynasty for Howard. So I'm with you there. I, can, I feel the pain of OJ Howard from last year. I feel like OJ Howard's burned so many people. It's like there, he's going to be the one player when you're in draft board, especially with Gronk there now that you're going to be like, all right, I don't want him. You can have him. And everybody's going to do that. And before you know it, he's going to be like round 20. So yeah, he, be, should not be, he should not be drafted. All right. Yeah. Even not drafted. I, 
And that's what's funny is, though, I feel like then maybe Gronk gets hurt and then this is the year he breaks out because no one drafts him. <laughs> yeah, Devontae, like Devontae Parker, exactly. Um, John, do you have one that sticks out for you? Uh, I, I forget exactly what I gave up for, but it was a dynasty league, which is is what makes it hurt. Uh, I like had Baker Mayfield, and I didn't have another quarterback. I was like starting like Matt Moore and stuff. So I traded for Jameis Winston, which worked for the time being. But then it becomes a dynasty league, and then this year now I'm stuck with no quarterback again. So <laughs> so I had to, so I had to do another trade for Daniel Jones, and I I don't think I gave up too much or a lot, but it was just the fact that it was just didn't really think it through. And I sort of put myself in a uh, predicament this draft during the rookie draft. Well, I, that is pretty. I mean, it's it's a problem in a dynasty league. I think people that don't play dynasty don't realize that like you have to definitely take that into account if you're like you had to draft a guy that could be a backup or could be on a different team out of the league. So it's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, my worst trade, and it doesn't sound as bad as you would think, is two years ago. I'm a huge Chiefs fan, Mike, and. Uh, I had Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback, and that was the first year he'd really started sharply declining, where his he wasn't anywhere near the value, and he had been killing me all year. And uh, I got offered Patrick Mahomes and Alvin Kamara for Aaron Rodgers, Saquon Barkley, and Devonte Adams. Mm. And, yeah, I, yeah, that's a lot of talent there. That is a lot and, of talent. And I thought about it, and I said, "Look, I'm getting Patrick Mahomes in the deal." Alvin Kamara is a top three back. That was obviously Saquon Barkley was a top three back. I'm like, I'm getting, I'm pretty much giving up a top five wide receiver to upgrade to the number one quarterback. And I did the trade. I was number one in the league at that time. After I made the trade, Alvin Kamara did not have a double digit scoring game in standard. It was a standard league the rest of the season. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers went on in the playoffs to have both his rushing touchdowns that season in the fantasy playoffs, Devonte Adams had 26 catches for 281 yards and two touchdowns in the three games. And Saquon Barkley carried that dude in the first game with 14 carries for 170 yards and a touchdown in the first round matchup. So basically if I had kept all the players I had, I would have won the league. And instead I got out in the first round because Kamara just completely busted for me. Mm. So yeah, that's a, uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. But at least you, you got, just to be clear, you got Mahomes, right? Yeah, I got Mahomes and it was right. the 50 touchdown season. So I thought he would just alone, that would carry me. Sure. Well, it's, if it's, is that a dynasty? It wasn't a dynasty. Oh. I, I wish it was. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, yeah, that would be, that would make it a little easier, I guess. But yeah, that's tough. I love happy endings though. David losing equals happy me. Oh my God. <laughs> Like I don't know if you have any siblings, but do you do you have a if you do do you have a rivalry with your sibling? Uh, a, a little bit, yeah, I do. He, my uh, closest brother is four years younger, so growing up, we always played everything against each other. So <laughs> I, I would say to some extent, yes. So you get it when we like Eric and I have we root against each other to lose every week. Yeah, of course, of course. It was- I'm a 49ers I'm not even related fan. to either of you, but I root against both of you to lose every week. Fair. I'm a 49ers fan, and we watched the Super Super Bowl together, and it was brutal. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. I hear you. Well, hey, Mike, we we really your presence was a truly a present. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, and uh, we thank you so much for your time. I I appreciate you going out with the dad joke. So well done there. Thanks all. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to catch more of Mike, he's at Mike Clay NFL on Twitter and Instagram. Got all the great content he puts out on ESPN throughout the season. And you better use his projections if you want to win people.
Thanks again, Mike. Yep. Take care, guys. Thank you.